Good morning, and thank you so much for tuning in on this live stream. I, um, uh, I just concur with Kevin. It is, is, there's, there's a hidden blessing here in the fact that so many are being exposed to the gospel today who wouldn't otherwise uh, have the opportunity to hear um, because perhaps they just wouldn't make time for it. And so right now, for those of you that are stuck at home, thank you so much for being with us. I also would remind you of this, that um, uh, the fact that we feel confined to our homes and not able to gather and worship is a reminder that we live in a free country that allows the freedom of worship. And we should never lose sight of the privilege and joy that it is to gather together regularly as the people of God to worship. Again, thank you for tuning in this morning. I, um, I think Scott's got a picture to show you. I, this morning I actually have a live audience to preach to. Have you got that picture up there? Can we do that? I don't know. There it is. Look at that. So uh, our children's ministry gave me some, some good folks to preach to this morning. I appreciate that. For all the kids that are at home that are watching, just know that Miss Rhonda loves you and has worked hard to make sure that I laughed and uh, that you guys were able to pull off a little prank on me, even though y'all couldn't be here. But um, uh, we are continuing to do things. I appreciate you, you tuning in. For those of you at home, um, we uh, are continuing to have all of our services on pause, all the, the live things. So we will have live streams for you. We don't know how long this will last. Uh, it is my desire that we find a way that we gather on Easter Sunday. Um, I, I don't know what the, the ramifications for that will be. If nothing else, as long as we would be allowed to do so, we will uh, bring you here and let you park your cars in the parking lot and we will put as many speakers outside as we can get and we will flood um, our community with praise to Jesus and with the gospel, but we will do everything we can to make sure that we gather together for worship. Um, I'd also remind you, I linked to this on my Facebook page. There's been some others uh, who have done so in our community who are asking people in our community tonight, between 8 and 8.30, if you can and would, to drive over to the hospital tonight. You've got to stay in your car, but just drive over to the hospital, leave your lights on so the folks inside can see you there, and to pray. For our healthcare workers, pray for those patients who are um, uh, going through whatever they're going through. Think, think about praying for those folks in the carish wing. You might even consider doing this at maybe some of our other nursing facilities and uh, care facilities because those folks are on lockdown. They, there's nobody in and nobody out. They're, they're lonely right now. So um, just an opportunity for you to go and show your love and support to those folks in our community uh, with, uh, with a show of, uh, of, of just solidarity, but also a chance for you to pray with them. All right, a few things. Uh, we don't know when we'll be, be back, back to a normal schedule. We have no idea. Until that time, we're going to continue to work to check on you all. Uh, I've made a lot of phone calls this week, and I'm encouraged to hear uh, some of you are doing well through this. Do know that some of our folks are having some tough times right now. We're not communicating prayer requests, especially related to health care issues, on our live streams because we do want to respect people's privacy. But just know that some of our folks are having some, uh, some struggles right now. So check with your deacons and your life group leaders so that you know how to pray for your people. Um, parents, as I have done now for the third week, remember uh, your children's, um, your children's uh, spiritual care is, is really dependent upon you always. So it need not fail just because you're not here. Um, if you have a need, let me remind you to communicate that with, the, that with us. Uh, send a message to your life group leaders. Call them on the phone. I know some of you are Zoom 
uh, using Zoom for some conference calls for your life groups. We're going to be looking at doing some conference calls later in the week so that we can have some gathered prayer times. I know especially for some of our senior adults, a call-in would be a lot better. And so probably sometime in the middle of the week, I will send out a couple of different times when we will just have a call-in and we can have a group prayer time related to that. However it is, though, that you're communicating, please continue to do that. If you have a need, communicate that with your deacons, with your life group leaders. You can call your pastors. We want to be here for you. We recognize that there are some needs that are going to be coming up. I know that there are going to be some financial burdens for some of you, and uh, we, we want to know what we can do to help you. Uh, we are working as a church to maintain our food bank open, uh, so um, we're, we'll, we will make sure that as best we can serve our community. With that in mind, if you have the ability, we're going to need some uh, donations for our food pantry, and I will send out an email early part of this week to let you know specifically what we need. Uh, I, I know that it's difficult. We don't want you to flood the grocery store. We've waited to ask for those things because we know our grocery stores have been limited, but just know that uh, food scarcity is going to be an issue in our community in coming weeks as this continues. Uh, please remember that even during these days, the bills of our church have to be paid. Um, and, and, and on the back end of this, we don't really know what uh, the financial burden and the burden, ministry burden for others is going to be. So please, as you are able, continue to tithe. I would ask those of you who are able, who've not been negatively affected financially during this crisis, if you're able to consider actually upping your tithe right now because there is going to be a real need on the back end of this. On the back side of me saying that, let me praise the Lord and thank you all. We had a wonderful week last week financially. We've had a good month. Uh, God has been faithful to continue to meet our needs, and we're going to ask you to continue to, um, to, to, to just be aware of the needs that are there. I believe uh, that information about how you would give online is going across the screen, if not now, at some point during this message this morning. Finally, just a word of thanks to so many of you that have really chipped in. I, I've, I've seen uh, some of you that have put videos online on, on Facebook, and uh, that, that's been so fun for the kids to be able to see that. Um, we're trying to come up with creative ways to just maintain community. Adam put a, uh, a, a Facebook challenge for our teenagers. Rhonda's put some things out. Kevin's recorded a couple of videos online. I think some of our, uh, one of our equipping studies is uh, looking to do a, a Zoom chat tonight. So lots of different ways that our church is trying to stay connected. And I want to encourage you to continue to do that. If you haven't jumped onto our Facebook page, you can see me and Madison Williams did a, a FaceTime conversation the other day. It just thrilled me to hear from one of our teenage girls about how much she's missing the church, what she's missing about the church. And then you can go on there and you can see what she's doing to continue to grow in her faith right now. I, I'm, I'm open to doing that with some other folks. So if you would like to do that with me, shoot me a text. I'd like to record more of those. You don't even have to do it with me. We'd love for you just to record a selfie video just telling us what you miss about your church, what you're doing to grow in Jesus right now, and what it is you're looking forward to the most about gathering together again. These are ways that we can encourage one another in these difficult days. Again, just thank you so much for um, the folks that have been necessary for the production of this, Buster and, and, and for the Newsoms for being up here and, and participating so much. Um, uh, just, just a whole lot of really good things that continue to go on and I, I really appreciate that. Now, having said all those things, I want to come together and I want us to pray again. Uh, if you'll notice, I'm, I'm, I'm basically praying the same prayer over and over every week until this thing is, is past us. Uh, but we come and we pray because we acknowledge that God alone is able to bring us through these difficult days. And so join with me this morning as we go to the Lord. God, we come to you asking that you have mercy and stop this pandemic and save lives. God, we pray for Camden. 
We pray for our state, our nation, and our world, Lord God. Today we see uh, that the crisis is especially bad in New York State and New York City, and we pray for uh, healthcare workers there and leaders and others, Father God. We, we recognize that we face an enemy that we cannot see and for which we are ill-prepared to fight. But Lord God, your hand is not shortened that you cannot save, nor your ear dull that it cannot, cannot hear. And so we pray, Lord God, that you would hear from us. That, Father God, you would hear from heaven, that you would open the floodgates of heaven and pour out your mercy, undeserved though it may be. God, we pray for our President Donald Trump and other government leaders. We pray for our Governor Henry McMaster. We pray for international, federal, state, and local leaders to have the wisdom to direct us in the best course of action for prevention and care. Father, we recognize that right now there's conversation about how and when, Lord God, we may be able to lift some of these restrictions. Lord, I pray that there would be great wisdom that comes from all corners of leadership, Lord God, that the medical community, the scientific community, and the political community would come together to direct us in a way that is safe and wise. Father, the Romans tells us to be subject to the governing authorities. And Father God, I pray that you would help us to be obedient to those who, Lord God, are seeking what is best for us as best as they know how. Lord God, your Bible also teaches us that we should number our days, Lord God, and that we should do so carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Lord God, we pray that you would give us wisdom in this moment of fear as the foundations of what we know are shaken, that others would realize how fragile life is and how real eternity is, and that, God, they would see their need to turn to God. So, Lord God, not, not only teach us to number our days that are gathered for prayer, but, Lord God, for those who are beyond the, the hearing of your word from anywhere this morning, that they would number their days and they would look up to the God of heaven and find hope and salvation. Father God, we pray that you would protect our missionaries and their families around the globe. Father God, this global crisis, we pray, will actually advance your good news to the whole wide world. Father God, we know that you have told us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to whole creation. So, Father God, we pray that you would embolden our missionaries, Father God, while they are quarantined in their homes, Lord God, or isolated from the world around them, that, Father God, this would be a time of strengthening them for the gospel that they are called to minister. Finally, Lord God, I pray for our medical personnel. While the rest of the world is distancing themselves from this disease, medical personnel are running toward it. God, we pray for doctors and nurses on the front lines, for emergency medical technicians, Father God, and for police officers who are responding to medical needs, firefighters and others, Lord God, who are running into um, homes and, uh, and into situations, Father God, where they are doing all they can to take care of those who are ill. God, we pray that you would protect them from this novel coronavirus and all the other illnesses that spread across our world. Father, from HIV and Ebola to seasonal flu, healthcare workers are risking their own health to try and improve the health of others. I pray that you would protect them and give them courage. I pray also, Lord God, that you would give them wisdom as, as healthcare workers and scientists seek out a treatment for this disease, Lord God, as they search, Father God, for treatments that would lessen the impact of this virus. Father God, I pray that you would bring that about quickly. Father God, we trust that you are the great physician, and Father God, that you own all wisdom, all truth is your truth, and Father God, we pray that you would grant to those who are seeking it truth that may be found, so that they may be, Lord God, able to provide opportunities for healing to the entire world. Father God, we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, the name above every name. We pray in the name of Jesus, who brings hope to the hurting, sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, and the dead to life. We pray in the name of Jesus who has overcome death, hell, sin, and the grave. In the name of Jesus Christ who will never fail. We pray in the name of Jesus who is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Lord God, the name of Jesus who alone can bring peace 
in difficult days. We pray, Lord God, to you, the God of peace, in the name of Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, thank you so much for being with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Mark. The book of Mark, if you would like the study guide for today's sermon, for those of you who are connected to Malvern Hill Baptist Church, the study guide is in your inbox. Uh, It was emailed out this morning. I apologize. I should have sent that out earlier, um, and I'll do my best to get that out to you earlier next week. Um, uh, It's also available on, on our Facebook page if that's an easier way for you to find it. But the book of Mark, chapter 14, this morning... We're going to be looking at Peter's denial of Jesus, and I want us to consider the fact in this title that you are Peter. We are all Peter. If you're at home and you're okay with it, I'd ask you to stand with me, even as we do here in in, uh, regular worship at Mountain Hill. The Bible says in Mark chapter 14, beginning verse 66, and as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it, and after a little while the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Let me pray for us one more time. Lord God, I pray that you give us wisdom that we may understand your word. Give us eyes and heart that we may behold great things from your law that it would teach us well. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, I'm so glad that you're willing to tune in with us. I want you to know that this is a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us. It's a challenge for you to to pay attention at home, I'm sure, because there's all sorts of things. Wednesday, we've been pre-recording our Wednesday services, and uh, this past Wednesday we did that. We pre-recorded. I actually went home and watched it with my family. So I watched the live stream with you, and in the middle of that, the dog barked, and there were noises here and noises there. I had to get up and leave. I know that at home, it can be difficult to pay attention. Uh, it's, it's not exactly easy for me to preach into these cameras. They don't, they don't speak back to me. They don't, they don't smile at me. They, they don't laugh at my jokes or at my failures. And, and um, Sorry, there was a door open on the stage. I almost fell into a hole. Um, they, see, there's nobody here to even laugh at me right now or to roll their eyes or to wonder what in the world is going on. These things are not easy. It's not easy for any of us, but this is the world that we live in. And here's what I want to urge you to consider this morning, that in the midst of this crisis, and it is that, it is a crisis. We would be remiss to see it as anything else. It's a crisis. But in the midst of this crisis, we would be really remiss if we missed an opportunity to seek the Lord. If we allowed this to dictate and dominate every square inch of our mental capacity, to control everything that's going on in our lives. And so this morning, as we sought last week to continue looking toward Easter and not to allow the coronavirus to rob us of the reminder that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again victorious on the third day. This morning, we're going to continue to work toward Easter. And we're going to see how it is that God's Word has application for us 
even right here in this moment. See, God's word is always true. And it's not necessary for us to always walk away from where we were in God's word because God is sovereign and he has wisdom for us from every square inch of his word. And so this morning I believe that there's great wisdom for all of us right here in Mark chapter 14 as we consider Peter's denial. You are Peter. I am Peter. We've all been there. In many ways we've been worse We know the sacrifice of our Savior, but even still we look upon his suffering for our sin and we deny him with our lives. But this morning, rather than focusing on the betrayal of Jesus, or the betrayal of Peter, I want to talk about how another aspect of Peter's life jumps out off this page. Peter tried to deny Jesus, but Peter couldn't actually deny Jesus. Peter tried to deny Jesus, but he couldn't actually, really, completely and totally deny Jesus. Why? Because it was too obvious that Peter had been with Jesus. Why? What pointed it out? How did they know? Folks, let me ask you this question. Do they know you've been with Jesus? Do they know? Do others know that you've been with Jesus? See, if you've really been with Jesus, you can't hide it. You might try. You may do everything you can to get around it, but the reality is that when you've been with Jesus, Jesus leaves his mark. So what can you do to help people know that you've been with Jesus? When I was in college, I've told this story many times here at Malvern Hill, uh, so for those of you that have heard it, I apologize. Uh, But when I was in college, I I had a friend, she had a, a really good ear for picking up on voices and things, and she could always tell when I had been home. Now, one of my brothers went to college with me, but the other one didn't. And she would say, you've been with Jeffrey, haven't you? That's uh, my brother who didn't go to college with us. And uh, and I'd look at her and say, what what, what do you mean? You've been with Jeffrey. She said, I can tell because you talk different when you've been home. Your voice changes, your words change, your vocabulary changes when you've been at home. Something was different as a result. As I've told you many times before, our wives still make fun of my brothers and I because when we get together, we have our own sort of vocabulary. We talk very differently. And, and we're not the only people who are like this. I went to lunch with, with one of my seminary professors one time, and he invited one of his old college roommates to lunch with us. These were two incredibly intelligent Greek scholars. These men knew the Bible backwards and forwards. They knew multiple uh, foreign languages. They were theologians uh, to the core. And yet, when the two of them came together to enjoy one another's company, they weren't parsing Greek verbs or digging into the Hebrew root of an Old Testament word. Instead, they laughed and used half sentences and made up words. I couldn't figure out what in the world they were talking about. It was like two rednecks just got together and began to speak their, their same old of redneck language that they'd known their whole life. Y'all all know what I'm talking about. These, that was these men because they, they, they resorted back to the place where they knew one another best. Folks, we can't hide our roots, can we? We can run from them for a little while, but eventually they come out. And the truth of the matter is that when we've been with Jesus, we can't hide it forever. So let me ask you this morning, do people know that you've been with Jesus? How can people know that you've been with Jesus? The first thing this morning is you need to spend time with Jesus. Now, how do you do that? Read your Bible, pray, spend time in the things of the Lord. Now, I'm not suggesting um, that you necessarily pray loudly so that others would hear you as the Pharisees did on the street corner, 
But you need to be spending time with Jesus in ways that other people would notice, that other people would, would see. Now, for students, this might mean something like keeping a Bible in your backpack or being willing to pray over your meal at lunch. You don't have to pray out loud, just bowing your head there before you eat. For those of you that work maybe at a desk, just keeping uh, Bible tracts or, or devotional books there on your desk so that people would know that you've been spending time with Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus, folks, the other thing is you can't help but talk about Jesus. The more you spend time with him, you can't help but allow it to trickle out. Now, pay attention to what this young girl said. She said her first thing was, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. She didn't say, I I heard through the grapevine that you had secretly been cavorting with Jesus. I I heard through the grapevine that you've been hanging around Jesus. I, 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 I spied from afar off and I saw that you were going to see Jesus by night. She said, I have seen you with Jesus. You've been with Jesus. His reputation was one of somebody who had spent time with Jesus. She had seen Peter with Jesus Folks, do people see you with the Lord? Do people see you with the Lord? Do they catch you bowing your head to pray over your meal? Do people get into your truck occasionally and and hear a Bible app or a sermon that's just reading? Does that happen? Do people just catch you in the middle of regular conversation, quoting God's word to them? Do people recognize that you've been with the Lord? Do you make reference to what it is that God's taught you in your devotion time? Why not? Why don't people know that you've been with Jesus? Do people see you? Do people in your home catch you reading God's word or praying? Can others say, he's been with Jesus? Folks, if you want others to know that you've been with Jesus, if you want others to know that you belong to Jesus... You need to work to make sure they catch you in Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about being pharisaical in this, okay? Not, not, not to run around and, and hold your Bible out so the whole world can see. Look at me, I'm, I'm with Jesus today. I'm saying that a part of our regular, everyday course of life should be such that the time that we've spent with Jesus just sort of bleeds out of us. It just sort of overflows from within us. Make sure you're spending time with Jesus. Number two this morning, spend time with Jesus' people. Now look at the second thing that she said. She said uh, down down in verse um, uh, 69, And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. One of them. Now what does it mean that he was one of them? Who is them? She noticed that he was one of the disciples. Last week, Angela was picking up a, an order from Walmart because we're, we're socially distancing. And so um, uh, she had called in her order and she'd gone in. She, uh, from what I understand, she'd won the lottery because a lot of you haven't been able to get those, those time slots. But she was picking up an order and uh, being the fun parent, I had taken the children to get a, a milkshake. So um, I, uh, she was picking up groceries, I was getting milkshakes. And uh, we got her a milkshake and well, she told me she was at Walmart, so we drove over there to aggravate her while she waited. And I, I pulled up beside her, and I rolled the window down as the girl was opening the door to begin to put her groceries in. And I said, ma'am, those are my groceries. And uh, the girl looked at me kind of funny, and Angela said, ignore him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. That's my husband. He's aggravating. I was like, man, that's not nice. You know, I hurt my feelings. Um, but uh, I, I, I drove off, and the girl looked at Angela. She said, oh, 
y'all, y'all tend Malvern Hill. And Angela at that moment wasn't sure if she should hang her head in shame, you know, or, or, if, or if she should smile. But she was so confused as to how it was that this young woman knew that we attended Malvern Hill. Now, truth here is not that she had called us spending time with God's people. There's a sticker on the back of my truck. This is Malvern Hill Baptist Church. And so when I drove off, she saw that sticker and she went, oh, y'all attend Malvern Hill. But folks, I'm just curious, do people see you spending time around God's people? Are you spending time around Jesus' people? Who is the them? She noticed that he was one of Jesus' disciples. What was it about Peter that noticed this fact? He didn't have a sticker on his back that said, Jesus' disciples, like I had on the back of my truck, okay? But we can guess, I think, pretty solidly that she knew that because Peter was known by the company he kept. The Living Bible's commentary on Proverbs 27, 19 says, A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he really is like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. Who do you spend your time with? Another famous way of saying this is a man is known by the company he keeps, or perhaps a little bit easier even as that birds of a feather flock together. Who do you spend your time with? Do people know you as a person who, is, who spends time with, with Jesus' people, with God's people, with the church? Now listen, we see this all over every facet of life. Don't we? we can run all the way back to high school and we recognize that, that, that band members tend to hang out with band members and cheerleaders hang out with cheerleaders and ball players hang out with ball players and, and, and we just sort of tend to flock to those people with whom we share interests. Do you flock to the people of God? If not, why not? See, I'm curious for most of you who are watching this. Now, last week we had about 300 people that tuned into our live stream, as, as best we can tell based on um, sort of our projections, the, the number of live views and then sort of an average of how many people we think are behind each screen. So if, if there were about 300 people, most of those were probably Malvern Hill folks, just to be honest with you. But there's some of you that are going to watch this, going to view this live, or you're going to watch a recording of this. And I'm just curious, are Sundays different from you, for you right now than they have been previously? Are you actually missing time with God's people? Or have you not regularly been known as a person who spent time with God's people? Do you love to be around the people of God? Folks, if you want to know who you are, Consider who it is that you spend your time with. They are a reflection of where your devotions are. They're a reflection of where your passions are. Guess what? The people that you spend your time with the most, look at them. They are a reflection of you. If you don't like who they are, ask the question of why it is that they want to be with you. You are those people. If you want to look like Jesus, let me urge you, you've got to spend time with God's people. Now, this doesn't take away our responsibility to engage in missions, to be responsible to, or obedient to the Great Commission. We can't always be with the people of God, but we have to regularly be with the people of God. It's an expectation. And for goodness sakes, why wouldn't you want to be? Why would you be a Christian and not want to be with other Christian people? This would be like being a, a, a Harley-Davidson owner and not wanting to be with other Harley-Davidson owners. It doesn't make good sense. And yet we see that sometimes, that people claim to be followers of Christ and have no desire to be with 
the church. Folks, if you have not missed worship in recent days, why not? Perhaps it's because you don't belong to a church. Maybe it's because you don't belong to Jesus. Folks, in addition to recognizing that when we spend time with God's people, we begin to look more like God's people, we begin to reflect more the image of Jesus to the world around us. This time of social isolation, I believe, has shown us something. I believe that I long for the gathering of the church right now maybe more than anything else. I I miss the church so much. We're being reminded right now that technology is a blessing. But we're also being reminded that it is no real substitute for community. It's not, right? You're, you're, at, you're at home today and you're listening to my sermon. You even, I, I hope that you sang. Uh, there's, there's about five or six people who are here this morning and they all heard me singing at the top of my lungs and they even heard me. I hope that y'all didn't pick it up on the microphone when I made a mistake earlier and I came in too early on one of the verses and just looked like a complete, a complete moron in front of everybody who is here. Fortunately, it's a very small group. But I, I hope that some of your living rooms sounded like that. I hope that some of your living rooms were filled with praise to the Lord. But we we all recognize that it's not the same. It's not the same as coming together and gathering as God's people for worship and praise. It's not the same as glorifying the Lord together. It's not the same as edifying one another. This time of social isolation is showing us that technology is a great tool and it's a wonderful benefit. But it is no substitute for real community. Folks, that's why God created the church. Because we are called to belong to one another. We are called to be a part of one another, to build one another up. It's not an accident. The church is not a creation of man. The church was a creation of Jesus because Jesus knew that his people needed a place where they could come together regularly and be reminded who they are and whose they are. And they would need to lean on one another, depend on one another. I look forward to the time we can come back together so that we as the people of God can spend time together and that together corporately we can bear witness to the world around us of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ so that people will look at us and say, they've been with Jesus. They'll also look at us and say, he's one of them. And folks, I hope that we'll get to a place when when they say he's one of them that we wear that as a badge of honor. Yes, I am one of them a redeemed child of God, a member of God's church for the glory of God and the good of the world and what a privilege it is to be a part. So spend time with Jesus' people. And number three this morning, look like Jesus. In verse 70, certainly you are one of them for you are a Galilean. Why did they know he was a Galilean? Because he looked like a Galilean, he talked like a Galilean. It was obvious. See, see, people come from different places and we can kind of pick up on it, right? We, we know when somebody is not from the South. As a matter of fact, we can often tell people who are from Charleston because people from Charleston talk different than the rest of us, right? It's true. I would imagine that in Savannah they got a weird dialect. I'm not 100% sure, but that Charleston dialect is a very different kind of dialect, isn't it? Some people can pick up on, on uh, variations in... in um, uh, and, and, and voice patterns and things like that way better than I can. But look, we can tell for a pretty good comp, with pretty good high degree of confidence that somebody comes from above the Mason-Dixon line, can't we? 
We know those folks from New York that have come down. I, I see that our state has instituted a 14-day quarantine from everybody who comes from New York into the state of South Carolina. They can't sneak in. We pick up on their voice. We know. Well, the same thing was true in the first century. They, they knew that he was from Galilee. He looked like a Galilean. He taught like a Galilean. Jesus was from that same region. All of Jesus' disciples were from that region. They said, you look like Jesus. They said, see, it can't be a coincidence that you would look like Jesus, that you would sound like Jesus, that you would walk like Jesus, that you come from the same place that Jesus came from, and that you wouldn't be affiliated with Jesus. You look like Jesus. When people are spending time in God's Word and the things of the Lord and with the people of the Lord, Jesus begins to rub off. A few weeks ago... Uh, Sloan, my youngest son, um, uh, Sloan, yes, he's watching at home, so he's thrilled to death right now that I'm talking about him, but Sloan doesn't always do the best things, and a few weeks ago, before we couldn't be together as a church, Sloan brought a sample-sized bottle of polo cologne to church. He brought it into his life group, and he sprayed it for everybody. It was confiscated by his teacher. His teacher then promptly delivered that to me. I took that sample-sized bottle of polo cologne and I laid it on my desk and I forgot about it because it's only about as big as my pinky. And I didn't think another thing about it. And he must have laid there for a week or so until my oldest daughter, Aubrey, who's also watching at home and is embarrassed because I'm calling her out, found that bottle of cologne on my desk. Rather than seeing that and going, oh, well, there's a bottle of cologne. I think I'll leave that alone or I'll throw it away or I'll take it to my dad or I'll do anything with it that would make good sense. Aubrey thought it would be a great idea to use that bottle of cologne and to empty it by spraying it onto the the pop filter, the little windscreen over the microphone in my office that I use for podcasting. Now listen, what y'all don't know, because we don't have a picture of that, but if we'd have shown you a picture in my office, you would see that my microphone for podcasting hangs right beside my computer screen, which is right where I sit several hours out of every single day. My office still smells like polo cologne today. As a matter of fact, the the scent of that was so strong that for several days I had to remove the pop filter, the little windscreen, from where it was and put it on the other side of my office to air out. You could, because right there in my face, I was tasting cologne. You understand? It was awful. The scent from that was so strong that you could smell it into the hallway with my door closed. And, And I promise you, right now, if you walk into my office, when you open the door, the first thing you smell is polo cologne. It didn't take me just a little bit of it to just absolutely permeate my office. You know, spending time in, with Jesus is like that, though. When you spend time in God's Word and the things of the Lord, people notice. It just begins to emanate from you. You can't hide it. There's something different about you. You, you, should, you should try to look like Jesus. But folks, when you spend time with the Lord, you can't help but look like Jesus. But also, there should be an intentional effort on our part to look like Jesus. Consider Ephesians chapter 5. The first two verses of Ephesians 5 say this. 
Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Folks, do you work to look like Jesus? Do you try to look like Jesus? I mean, seriously, you call yourself a Christian, but do you take seriously the task of looking like Jesus, or do you just sort of assume that, well, God, just take me just the way that I am? Growing up in Christ should look just like growing up. Now, here's what I mean by that. There comes a point in a, in a young, young, young man's life when little boys turn into young men. Now, it, 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 it almost seems to happen overnight. One day, they're playing in the dirt, and they stink, and they're nasty, and their hair is dirty, and, and their sheets are dirty because they don't even wash when you tell them to wash. You can't get them to brush their teeth. And then, sort of overnight, something changes. Overnight, little boys start looking at something other than little boys. They start noticing the little girls around them. They start growing up. And, and, and when that happens, everything about them changes, doesn't it? They stop stinking. They stop stinking because you don't have to remind them to shower anymore. They take multiple showers a day. They discover body spray, which is not always a good thing. Their wardrobe changes. All of a sudden, they're, they're not as interested in athletic shorts and t-shirts with holes in them. All of a sudden, they care if their hair fits or, or is cut just right and lays down. When they grow up, they begin to look differently. Thankfully, they smell differently. Folks, as we grow up in Christ, there should be an intentional effort on our part to begin to look like Jesus. See, looking like Jesus is not optional for the follower of Jesus. This young girl said, you're a Galilean. You look like him. It can't be a coincidence that you look like him and you talk like him and you've been around him. You know him. The same should be true of us as Christians. As we grow, we should look more like Jesus. We should spend time with Jesus, spend time with Jesus' people, and we should try to look like Jesus. In all of these ways, we have an opportunity to make sure that people know that we've been with Jesus. In conclusion this morning, Peter really dropped the ball because he denied having known Jesus. Now, we all know better than to criticize Peter too strongly here because most of us have been there. Most of us have been in a place or a time when we, we were ashamed to be named by the name of Christ. We can look back on those days and see them as our greatest failures as Christians, at least I can, when I didn't want to be known as a follower of Jesus. Why, why wouldn't we want to be known? Obviously because sin gets in the way. We allow sin to overwhelm us and to overshadow us. We love our sin more than we love our Savior. So Peter dropped the ball just like we have. But, but there's something that we need to remember that Peter's denial fell on deaf ears. Peter denied having known Jesus, but Peter didn't convince anybody. Unfortunately, we've all been there. We've denied the Savior, but not all of you have actually been accused of being a follower of Jesus.
See, it was obvious to those around him that Peter had been with Jesus. He couldn't deny Jesus if he wanted to. Can you deny Jesus today? The question I have for you this morning is not, would you deny Jesus? The question I have is, would you have to deny Jesus? For many of you, you wouldn't have to deny Jesus because no one thinks that you belong to Jesus. And perhaps they don't think you belong to Jesus because you don't belong to Jesus. I've prayed for three Sundays now that in the midst of this crisis that God would use it to help us to number our days, to be reminded that that eternity is real, that heaven is real, that hell is real, that death comes for us all. See, as, as Americans, we live in a time of unknown comfort and ease. We live in a time of unknown health and prosperity. Coronavirus is so scary because it reminds us that death is real. And that even with our best efforts, we can't control death. It is appointed unto man to die once and after that to face the judgment. That's God's word and it's true. But we've pushed death so far to the edges of life. And we've pushed severe illness so far to the edges of life. That it comes as a surprise and a shock when it arrives. My prayer is that during this time of coronavirus that we would all be reminded that we are frail and weak. That our lives are temporary. That death is sure. But though death is the great enemy, it has been overcome by Jesus Christ our Savior. See, many of you today don't belong to Jesus. Some of you would never have to deny Him because you don't look like Him. But I want you to know that Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. See, the the privilege of knowing Jesus is not limited to a select few. Because all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Every single one. Jesus loves you. Peter denied Jesus, but you don't have to, not today. He beckons all who are weary and heavy laden to come to him. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but it also tells us that even though the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to know today that the time for your running and denying Jesus can come to an end right now. Today can be the day of your salvation. It's okay that you can't be in this sanctuary with me. I would love for you to be here and I'd love to walk you through the plan of salvation. But I want you to know that right there in your den, right there in your kitchen, right where you are today, I want you to know that if you would call upon the name of the Lord, you can be saved. It's not rocket science. It's not that hard. Would you be willing just to pray a short prayer? Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. God, would, would you save me? Lord God, I know that Jesus died for my sins. Lord God, would you save me? Can I tell you this? If you would cry out to Jesus, he will save you. Let me also let you know that if you would like to know what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, if you have questions about that, go to our website. 
there on our website, there's a link that you can click on to see the gospel message. There's also a list of all of our contact information. You can email me. You can email one of our other pastors. Contact a friend. Maybe somebody within our church or somebody who's part of another church. We would love to help you to understand the hope that is found in Jesus. Peter denied the Lord. But you know that Jesus still wasn't done with Peter. If we read on over in the book of John in chapter 21, we find that Jesus continued to love Peter. He restored Peter. And Peter went on to have an incredibly fruitful ministry, claiming the name of Jesus all over the world. You may have denied Jesus, but you don't have to continue living in denial. Jesus stands ready to forgive you and to save you because he loves you. We love you here at Malvern Hill. We can't wait to the day that we can gather with you. I would love the privilege of knowing that there are some of you who will give your lives to Jesus over a live stream that I will then be able to baptize in this baptistry behind me in just a few weeks. God loves you. It's my privilege to share that love and hope with you. We don't know what the days ahead of us hold. Let me back up. We don't know how long these days will last, but we do know that Jesus is in total control. We know that God knows the future. He was not surprised by coronavirus. He won't be surprised by anything that comes about as a result of this. Thank you all for tuning in with us this morning. I hope and pray that during these times you will find hope and joy in Christ, that you would make the most out of the fourth Sabbath ahead of you. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. I pray that this word would sink deep in our hearts. It would take root. That God, we would no longer deny Jesus, but that we would welcome him with open arms. Even as we know, Lord God, we will be welcomed at your table. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for tuning in with us. And I look forward to hearing from you all and to speaking with you all again soon.